Chapter 15 of A Millionaire Baby. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Millionaire Baby by Anna K. Green. Chapter 15. A Phantasm. I certainly had every right to conclude that this would end my adventures for the day. But I soon found that I was destined to have yet another experience before returning to my home in New York. The weather had changed during the last hour, and at the moment I emerged from the shadows of the hedgerow into the open space fronting the Ocumpa dock, a gleam of lightning shot across the west, and by it I saw what looked like a dusky figure of a man leaning against a pile at the extreme right end of the boathouse. Something in the immobility maintained by this figure, in face of the quick flashes which from time to time lit up the scene, reminded me of the presence I had come upon hours before in front of Mrs. Carew's house, and moved by the instinct of my calling, I took advantage of the few minutes yet remaining before train time to make my way in its direction, cautiously, of course, and with due allowance for the possible illumination following those fitful bursts of light which brought everything to view in one moment, only to plunge it all back into the profoundest obscurity the next. I had two motives for my proceeding. One, as I say, sprang from the natural instinct of investigation. The other was kindlier and less personal. I did not understand the meaning of the posture which this person had now assumed, nor did I like it. Why should this man, why should any man, stand like this at the dead of night, staring into waters, which, if they had their tale to tell, had not told it yet? unless his interest in the story read there was linked with emotions such as it was my business to know. For those most openly concerned in Gwendolen's loss, the search had ceased. Why, then, this lone and lingering watch on the part of one who might, for all I knew, be some overzealous detective, but who I was rather inclined to believe was a person much more closely concerned in the child's fate, vis-à-vis, the next heir-in-law, Mr. Rathbone. If it were he, his presence there savored of mystery, or it savored of the tragic. The latter seemed the more likely hypothesis, judging from the expression of his face, as seen by me under the lantern. It behooved me then to approach him, but to approach him in the shadow of the boathouse. What passed in the next few minutes seemed to me unreal and dreamlike. I was tired, I suppose, and so more than usually susceptible. Night had no unfamiliar effects for me, even night on the borders of this great river, nor was my occupation a new one, or the expectation I felt, as fearful and absorbing as that with which, an hour or two before, I had raised my lantern in that room in which the doleful mystery of half a century back trenched upon the still more moving mystery of to-day. Yet that experience had the sharpness of fact, while this had only the vagueness of a phantasm. I was very near him, but the lightning had ceased to flash, and I found it impossible to discern whether or not the form I had come there to identify yet lingered in its old position against the pile. I therefore awaited the next gleam with great anxiety, an anxiety only partially alleviated by the certainty I felt of hearing the faint, scarcely recognizable sound of his breathing. Had the storm passed over? Would no more flashes come? 
Ah, he is moving. That is a sigh I hear. No detective's exclamation of impatience, but a sufferer's sigh of depression or remorse. What was in the man's mind? A steamboat or some equally brilliantly illuminated craft was passing, far out in the channel. The shimmer of its lights gave sudden cheer to the distant prospect, the churning of its paddles suggesting life and action, and irresistibly drew my eyes that way. Would he follow? Would I find his attitude changed? Ah, the long-delayed flash has come and gone. He is standing there yet, but no longer in an attitude of contemplation. On the contrary, he is bending over the waters, searching with eager aspect, where so many had searched before him, and, in the instant, as his face and form leaped into sight, I beheld his clenched right hand fall on his breast, and heard on his lips the one word, Guilty. End of chapter 15